Welcome into the European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. I am Mackenzie Rivers, your affable host. Well, a little less affable after a tough, tough best bet loss in the 90th at the death. Third time this season, I think, a best bet loser at the death. This time it was the hands of Chelsea. Miracle goal in the 90th. Anyway, I'm joined by my also affable host, despite uh, another disappointing best bet. But we're going to turn it around. We're going to turn it around. Isn't that right, Griffin? We are. Uh, Griffin Warner here. Uh, I was a little bit afraid that you're going to call me the less affable host. Uh, <laughs> but then I figured out where you were going. I, I started picking up what you were putting down. Affable, friendly, good-natured, or easy to talk to. I think that does describe you, Mackenzie Rivers. Uh, I'm not sure it describes me after an eight-minute red card. I feel like last weekend I was seeing red far too often. And it's a tough sport to bet an underdog because they're usually the worst team if they're uh, taking reds and playing 10 versus 11. makes it a little bit harder to uh, to win a best bet. But uh, onwards and upwards, we're turning around, and I'm looking forward to this weekend. Absolutely. And uh, we have some best bets lined up here. We also have a few uh, games of the season types, at least for their specific leagues. We have Der Classica and Arsenal Liverpool coming up. Before we get to that, though, a quick little Vegas game I want to play. So Erling Haaland, 19 goals in his first 12 competitive matches. Anytime you get that out of a 21-year-old, let alone a 21-year-old that just joined, he might be 22, just joined supposedly the toughest league in the world, and it looks like he's been there for a decade. So let's let's branch this out. I talked last episode about how Man City kind of got rid of all their goal scorers so that they can have a tunnel effect, and he's the beneficiary, Erling Haaland. Right now he's on pace to have like 70 goals, to be messy in his you know Barry Bond season, 2012, I think 71 goals was the record. I don't think he's going to get there, but Aaron Judge had a prop over under 61 and a half home runs. And despite his record pace, it was always a good bet. And they always made it an underdog because the expectation is that you're going to regress to the mean if you're doing something that's hasn't been seen before. It's only logical. Is that what's going to happen here is my question. And the reason it comes up this week is because with all of this success, there's been some rumors that Erling Haaland, after the 2023 season, has a clause in his contract and he can join Real Madrid and it won't cost them, you know, a billion dollars or anything uh, crazy like that. Well, Pep Guardiola says, no, 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 no. I've privy to those contract details. This man is here. No release clause in his contract. And he couldn't have settled in any better. He said he's unbelievably beloved in the city organization. All right. Well, this man is unbelievably beloved, is doing unbelievable things. Again, he's on pace for 70 goals. So I'm going to play a little game. I'm going to set a number. You're going to pick over under. And, if, and I, I'm like the bookie. I can only win if you're wrong because I don't get to bit pick a number. But I'm going to say over under 40 and a half goals for the young forward over the course of this season. He already has 19. So that's 22 from now till May. Griffin Warner, soccer expert, European soccer extraordinaire, will tell you exactly What's about the Mackenzie Rivers Casino? Over, under, 40 and a half goals, Erling Haaland. The floor is yours. I really don't love this game because I only look like an idiot every time the question comes up. And then, because I remember the last time, I, but I remember the last time Absolutely. you offered me something <laughs> and then you read, you did it again, just like seven goals higher. And I still went the same way, I think. <laughs> uh, 
I don't think that Erling Holland is going to stay healthy this whole season. I imagine they're going to start rotating him and not playing him in like half the Champions League matches because they don't matter and they're going to have already won the group probably. Uh, you could almost say that about the Premier League as well because um, I really think City's number one aim this year is the Champions League, and that's going to be a harder competition to score. Problem is they are so good and they smash teams that like when he gets a, a hat trick against Manchester United, I feel like that he could have even done more than that if he wasn't passing. So 41 goals. I mean, that sounds like a lot. He's already at 19, almost halfway there already. God, I hate myself already. I'm saying I think he's going to get hurt at some point, but I mean, if they treat him well enough and, and keep him healthy, I think it's going way over. And uh, even if he does get hurt, still might not be enough. I'm going to say over 40 and a half. I kind of tend to agree with you as a bookie. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to delve uh, my own personal opinion. But, I mean, just look at these Man City games. And Halan's going to be part of it, whether or not he scores three a game. Doesn't need to to get to this number. 5-0, I mean, these guys are, are putting up epic numbers. And their Champions League odds have improved all the way to 2-1. to one. Much bigger favorites than PSG at five to one or Bayern Munich, but yeah, I tend to agree with you. But we'll see. It's uh, it's literally unbelievable historic stuff, and it's gonna be gonna be fascinating to see how it all shakes out and whether they finally get that one achievement that's eluded Pep Guardiola at City, and that's to win it all the Champions League. Bayern Munich has two Champions Leagues in the last decade or so. They turned it around after a rough week. We talked about them being fifth in the table well good time to turn it around because and griffin you can tell me if i'm pronouncing this right world travel that you are a recent german uh traveler that you are der Klassica, bayern munich versus dortmund first of all am i saying it right second of all uh can you give us some context as to what this means uh in context of german football sure so der Klassiker. i would go harder on the cur like uh, steve cur um, but you were doing great. Um, it's funny how every big game in every league is some sort of version of El Clasico, just depending on the language. Um, yes, uh, German traveler, uh, not very good German speaker, though. I can count. That's about it. Eins, why, try, fia, and then I'll stop there because no one wants to listen to that. But uh, speaking of null fia, I did go to this same compound where uh, Der Klassiker version 1.0 will be held this weekend, and that is in Dortmund. Uh, and they hosted Schalke for a huge rivalry match. One of the craziest police presences I've ever seen. And it uh, doesn't seem like a cool situation. I mean, it's great to support your team on the road, but you like can't drink. You like have to walk in between the cops because everyone's going to kill you or something like that. It's pretty bizarre. Uh, maybe it's not the same way throughout all of Europe, but definitely in Germany, it was really intense. I don't think this matchup is as intense that way in terms of like physical violence and stuff. But usually, and I think this happens every season, is everyone's like, okay, Bayern can't win another championship. Someone has to take them out here. And then they always look to Borussia Dortmund as the best chance um, to take them out. But Borussia, unfortunately, um, they've dealt with a lot of uh, struggles at the back. Their defense just never seems to be really good enough. And they're a club that builds on young players, then tr sells them away, usually good offensively minded, offensive, talented, attack minded players that once they're good enough, they sell them. Um, but unfortunately, their defense never seems to get enough attention in my estimation. 
And that's the hard part. Whenever you go up against Bayern Munich, you need to have a solid defense and because they will pick and prod and and find ways, find your little holes. Sometimes they don't score four in a match, but a lot of times they do. And while they do certainly give up goals sometimes, uh, you have Manuel Neuer playing like a sweeper keeper, basically like as if he was a center back almost halfway up his pitch. Um, it's a really hard strategy to play against. Julian Nagelsmann has taken over from a long line of successful Bayern München managers. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where this is the chance for Borussia Dortmund to show that they are in a position to really challenge Bayern München. And it's going to be a big deal on Saturday. Crowd will be nuts. Um, probably, like I said, not as violent as they were for a Schalke, like local derby type of meeting, but um, should be pretty lit and uh, would be a great game to go to if you find yourself in Western Alemania. And Dortmund is the home team. They are the underdogs. However, they're about three quarters underdog goal or on the money line. It's Bayern Munich minus 150, Dortmund plus 330. You mentioned some of the offensive talent over the last, over the few years, over the last few years that uh, they've boasted. I just wrote them down here just off memory. Autobayang, just Chelsea's big signing. Mario Goetze, World Cup winner. Jaden Sancho, huge, huge. I mean, this was a guy that was a top 20 player when he left Dortmund by FIFA ratings. And then he joined, joined Manchester United, and now he's a top, like, 100 player. So uh, that's the power of, you know, showing out in the Bundesliga. You get a big paycheck, and not only does Sancho get that, but Dortmund gets that. But it seems to me that that's always going to be, if that's your business model, if you're Monaco, guy, a team that is really good scouting department and – sells players it's always going to be the sexier names that are going to get the higher price tags and it's always going to be forwards that have the sexier names now let me ask you where do you think Dortmund uh is in their in their cycle because they have a new manager or a caretaker manager uh do you think I mean expected goals wise are right behind Bayern Munich in Bundesliga is this happening quicker are they ascending quicker to uh back to former glory uh than you expected entering the season well, losing Erling Holland was a big, big deal. And oh yeah, I forgot to talk about forwards that left Dortmund. Probably the biggest name I didn't mention. Hold on, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I just figured. I mean, you don't have to let anybody into this. I I just assumed since we had just spent a segment on him that uh, <laughs> right. you knew everyone. You knew we have such smart, intelligent listeners out there that they already knew that one, so we didn't need to even mention it again. But losing him, there was big question about what would happen to their offense and their output. Um, I'm still not impressed by it though they were so offensive heavy or leaning offense, basically trying to outscore everyone in the past that that's, I think why they had such trouble. Um, didn't get out of the group stage last year in champions league uh, and had a lot of problems. Ultimately had some really embarrassing score lines. Um, I think that they are trying to become a bigger threat to Bayern München. And I, I don't really know what their aspirations are in Europe because I think they know that they're never going to be the polished team and they sell off their best players to polished teams will make it even harder for them to compete there. I think they, they look to the Bundesliga as where they try to have the most success. And I think they realized that their defense was so bad last year that they had to do something about it. They made one of the best signings I think out there in buying Nico Schotterbeck from SC Freiburg. And, and that's part of why they were so good and, and qualified for the Europa league this season out of like, basically being a team that just tries to hang in the league. Big, big surprise. They got onto the European schedule and especially the good league on Thursdays, not the conference league. Um, 
and they have they certainly brought in some good talent with the money they they received from City. Um, they bought Karim Adeyemi from Red Bull Salzburg. They're getting a little bit more out of their older players that have stuck around, uh, the Germans and Julian Brandt and uh, Marco Royce before he like smashed his ankle um, and got carded or stretchered off the pitch. I was at the match I was going to. Um, I just think that they, I guess in their cycle, so wouldn't call their manager a caretaker manager. He had been a caretaker manager in the past, but this seems like a permanent job to me. Whether he really deserves it or not is certainly up for debate. Um, I think they're a good team that's going to challenge for Bayern as long as they can, but they're just going to not win the games against RB Leipzig and against Leverkusen and against other teams that they probably should, that Bayern will beat those and end up, lapping the rest of the field and winning in like week 30 of 34. Julian Brandt, you mentioned two goals from the midfield. Marco Royce, you mentioned two goals from the midfield. Only one other Dortmund player, Yusafa Mukoko. I'm 100% sure that's how you pronounce that name. Also has two goals. Do you you think they can keep pace with Bayern Munich? I mean, what do you make of this matchup? Do you have a a play here? Uh, Again, Dortmund catching about three quarters goals, uh, it seems like they might be overmatched here against a team that puts up three goals a game. Um, so Byron have not been great to start the year, as we've talked about. Um, they did bounce back really well in their first match back from the international break, which they really needed that. Um, and maybe it was Leverkusen just an embarrassing performance, but I think that's partly because Byron put so much pressure on you. Um, Byron are still just so talented offensively, and I don't, I don't think... Borussia Dortmund have, have fixed their defensive issues yet. I, I think we still need to see a lot from them to prove that they are, that they are solved. Um, and I also think if, I mean, if they still had an offense like they did with Erling Holland, I think they'd have a better chance against this version of Bayern München because without Lewandowski, they have not been finishing as well. Um, and three quarters of a goal at home in front of what should be a monstrous crowd of 80,000 or so. I think there were 81.1 thousand because they use, for some reason they flip flop, uh, decimals and and commas for thousands and, and decimals. It throws me off. But anyway, um, I think it's going to be a huge crowd they're fighting against. But honestly, I don't know until I see a plus one that by, Borussia Dortmund are even interesting to me. Yeah, when you get a check and it's nineteen comma ninety nine, I just hand it back to him. I'm not I'm not paying this, sir. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous. So talking about cycles, Dortmund nowhere near their peak, which would have come obviously back when they were winning the Bundesliga in 2010-11, 2011-12, with Jorgen Klopp as their manager. Let's talk about Jorgen Klopp. Let's make that transition. On Saturday, smooth. he will hit his seven-year mark as manager of Liverpool. He obviously had seven years at Dortmund, tremendous success, moved on to bigger and better things at Liverpool. Not to say necessarily there are too much bigger or better jobs available, than Liverpool, but the seven-year mark did spark some conversations this week, the seven-year itch. Before we get into Liverpool-Arsenal, they've obviously struggled this year, Liverpool. Uh, What do you make of where they are at in their cycle, specifically with uh, Jurgen Klopp? I mean, there's questions about how how long Jurgen Klopp is going to be there, Um, and I never really believed that to be a thing, but when I look at Liverpool, they're not going to spend... Uh, they have American owners who also own the Red Sox, but they're they're not really spending. They're they're more of like we'll sell what we can and we'll replenish with those funds. Uh, they spent a ton of money on Darwin Nunez, but I don't think they're loving that purchase right now. And I'm also not sure they're really going to keep doing that. 
Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if Jorgen Klopp would leave. I just don't really know where he would go because I feel like he's only going either back to Germany because that's where he's from, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's right. But like, if he doesn't go there, then he's only going to a bigger club. And how many bigger clubs are there? Like, he's not probably going to Man City, so he probably has to go to another league. He's going to take on the Juve job when they've been struggling big time in Torino. Like, I'm not really sure what that answer is. Um, from where I kind of sit right now, um, I, I'm worried about the team in general. I feel like Mohamed Salah looks old. Um, it's probably because he doesn't have a lot around him up front. A lot of young players that aren't the same pressers that Firmino and Sadio Mane, who they let walk. Um, uh, I guess he got he got bought, but ultimately they didn't make a, a huge move to save him. And they seemed like it was a money reason, but then they dropped 150 million euros on Darwin Nunez on a pretty unfinished product from Portugal. So, I mean, I think Liverpool are still really strong, but it just looks like they, and I hate to say this because of the comeback they made last season in basically making the Premier League uh, a dead heat late. Um, Liverpool look like an old team. Virgil van Dijk doesn't look any younger. Andy, Andy Robertson hasn't been playing. Trent Alexander-Arlen's never, never been a defender and yet plays right back um, and their midfield is ancient and uh, they're showing the wear and tear because they're never available. That's a good lead into this game here. Liverpool at Arsenal. Now Klopp versus liver versus Arsenal in his Liverpool career, nine wins, one loss, three draws. So 13 matches, only one loss, six out of seven games recently. He's won. William Gallus, former Arsenal defender, says this is when it all changes. He thinks Arsenal wins big. He was speaking to Genting Casino, parent company of Resorts World. If you're from Vegas, you might be familiar with that. So he said, William Gallus, Liverpool are struggling at the moment. The performance against Brighton, they tied 3-3, didn't surprise me because they look like a different team this season. There have been warning signs all season. They look weaker without Mane. At the back, they've been really, really poor. Now, here's something. Alexander-Arnold is struggling. This is a defender talking about defender. Defender on defender crime. A lot of people have been mentioning it. ESPN FC talking head guys have been mentioning it. And I thought it was kind of unfair the last couple of weeks. But this is a player. This is a Premier League legend, a defender, saying, hey, I played the position. This guy is not doing it. Aren't? Let me see. The problem with Liverpool is that almost every goal is coming from Arnold, Alexander Arnold's side of the pitch. He's playing too high. His first job is to defend very well. How many goals have Liverpool conceded because of his mistakes? Nobody is talking about this when you're winning games. When Liverpool are on fire, winning games, winning trophies, the number of assists he was registering, magnificent. But these errors are always going to be too high in this game. For Arsenal, this is the right time to play Liverpool. Strong words, strong words from Arsenal. So let's get into this matchup. Again, Liverpool, six wins out of the last seven versus the squad. Mostly the same players, same managers. Yes, Sadio Mane is not there, but the Vegas odds, European worldwide odds, are saying this is a different situation. Liverpool are only pick them. Plus 150, plus 150, either side if you want to bet money line. That's the closest they've been since Klopp's first year versus Arsenal, since 2015. So what do you make of the matchup? Do you think the tides have turned? Arsenal top of the table 
Liverpool ninth. Are Arsenal the better team? Well, maybe not if they're home and it's only pick them, but do they deserve this massive upgrade to be as close to Liverpool as they have been any time in the last seven years? So I went back and forth when I was, I generally just to let you know how the sausage are made a little bit behind the scenes. I, I usually make my lines and I compare them against what the marketplace has out there. And I was struggling between pick them and a quarter and Arsenal at home, I think deserves something for, for home field advantage or home pitch advantage, whatever we're calling it. Um, I'm a little surprised to see Arsenal only a pick them. Uh, I got to say, yes, Liverpool have dominated the series. Arsenal have been pretty bad for years. Um, and they kind of went through a rebuild. Are they top of the table? Good. I don't think so. But they've had a very easy schedule. And all you can do is is play what you have in front of you. And they've taken advantage of that. Um, I think from where I sit with Arsenal, this is a big step. It's like kind of like a class game. Like you, you try to go into like a black tie wedding. And if you've never worn black tie before, <laughs> it's hard to really not make sure your, your tie is tied correctly. So people don't know you're, you're just a phony. Um, is that a clip on? Yeah. 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 Um, I can tell you it takes so long to tie a bow tie. If you don't really know how to do it, that, uh, I almost <laughs> would say, just get the clip on. It's a lot easier. Anyway. Um, back to Arsenal. I think, I think they are, this is a statement game for them. They're young. Um, they have plenty of problems in them, but as, uh, you were reading, um, Trent Alexander Arnold, I don't know that it's all his fault, but, a lot of times I find whenever there's a header into the box, he kind of hits it to the wrong person and then it gets chested down past the next guy and it goes in. So it's like he's the third member of the hockey assist because they award two assists. They just don't <laughs> do it to the other team. Um, I think from where Liverpool come from um, and all that success that they've had, I still believe in them for that. And I feel like if Arsenal were favored here, I'd look at Liverpool as a lean but I feel like it's a slight one at best. And I just, I don't know that I feel good enough about what I've seen from Liverpool yet to really take them to be that serious contender that I thought they, they were literally as we entered the season. Um, a lot that I've seen has looked really ugly. Their performance against Brighton was gross. I thought, um, so, I mean, they could have won and surrendered a late equalizer to draw three, three, but let's not forget they're down two nil and it looked like they were dead in the water. Um, so I'm I, it's it's almost like it, this is a perfect like wait and see I need to watch this one because I think Arsenal's future is really bright and might even be brighter than Liverpool's but I I'm not sure I'm ready to announce excuse me anoint them as really conquering their demons cuz there's some big mistakes in Gabriel who just loves giving away red cards or penalties or both Ramsdale at goalkeeper I think is a concern for me as well um, but Liverpool certainly aren't the the finished product or the uh, the beauty queen that they used to be. No doubt. I mean, 100% agree with you. I'm not ready to anoint Arsenal top of the Premier League. In fact, I'm going to make Liverpool my best bet at a pick em. And this goes back to what you just said. Yeah, Arsenal has a very bright future, a lot of young players. Three Brazilians named Gabriel under 24 in their starting <laughs> 11. I'm not sure what the odds of that are. But they just had their game of the season. They just had the, look at us, we're here, we're official. We just beat Tottenham at home. That's the North London Derby. That's their biggest rival. And the odds said they were a worse team coming in. Now not only are they better, but they're almost as good as Liverpool by the odds. I mean, you get that quarter goal as a home team, but I still think it should be 
you know, Liverpool should definitely be the favorite. There's a bigger gap than just that quarter goal to make this home field advantage. And yes, the fact that Ars- that Liverpool have done well against Arsenal gives me confidence that these players will have success again. But more than anything, this is just a more important game for them. Mo Salah, after midweek, they talked uh, after beating Rangers. He talked about how the manager told us coming in, you know, this is the start of a new season. That we're going we're gonna to put our foot in the ground. And what we do from this point forward is the Liverpool team that I expect us to be. Maybe those are just, you know, coach talk, but hey, I was inspired listening to it. And I I don't think Arsenal has deserved this massive upgrade. I mean, before the beginning of the season, Liverpool might be a half goal favorite, at least, at least minimum a quarter goal favorite. I think with more motivation, whatever downgrade we've made for them this season, I think that's caught up with the fact that they need this game more. Ninth in the table, that's unacceptable. So that's my best bet. Liverpool at a pick'em at Arsenal. Before we move on to your best bet and save the people a little money, uh, what do you think of that? I know you were on the fence, but did I say anything to make you think, hey, Liverpool might be a play here? Um, I mean, from from where you're sitting, I think you're you're totally right entering into the season. Liverpool is a favorite here. Um, it's it's kind of like when you're buying something at a discount versus buying something at a very premium price. Um, Arsenal are about as expensive as they I mean, maybe not the maximum, but they're a lot more expensive than they were just nine match days ago or however many we are into the season. Unfortunately, the death of a 96-year-old threw everything off for me. Um, but Liverpool, I mean, you're getting them really cheap from what – I mean, you would have lost half half your stake on a draw in the past when this game was happening earlier in the season. Uh, but because Arsenal have been playing well against a really soft schedule – and Liverpool have been struggling. Um, I'm not really sure what to say about the schedule necessarily, but just not playing great to, or to their standard. Uh, I think you're getting Liverpool at a, a much better price than you were early in the year. And, uh, you know, buying low and selling high is uh, is one way to get rich. Um, I, I like love the idea of if, if they draw that you save yourself some money because it's a full push for you at Pickham. So I think I was hoping for Liverpool to be underdogged, but didn't really think that that was a realistic scenario. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see because I'm expecting Liverpool to wake up and this would be a really appropriate time to do so. Talk about saving money, being financially prudent. Let me tell you guys about a thing I like to call bulk dollars at pregame.com. Now, it's a very simple concept. Pregame.com, there are several products you can purchase, such as the great Steve Fezzik's NFL package. He's up over 100 units this year. If you're participating, then hey, you're up over 100 units too, and that'll help you. Trust me, that's not a bad place to be. So go to pregame.com, and we have a promo going on for new users, old users. You want to sign up and get the $25 free sign-up? Awesome. But for everybody, use the $10 promotion at pregame.com and get 50 bulk dollars. That's like saying, go to McDonald's, hand them a $5 bill. They're going to hand you a $25 bill and say, buy whatever you want at McDonald's. If you're going to McDonald's anyway... It's a no-brainer. If you like pregame.com, if you enjoy this podcast, if you think there's valuable information out there that you want the best handicappers in the world providing you, then hey, give us a try. Spend $10 at pregame.com, get 50 bulk dollars, and use it whenever you want. They expire never, and $50 will get you, you know, four or five regular plays or two best bets, you know, game of the year type plays. All that can be yours. Check us out. Buy $10 of bulk dollars. Get $50 to spend any on anything 
at pregame.com. All right, without further ado, let's provide some free excellent information. Griffin Warner, still profitable on this podcast. Let's keep it going. What is your best bet for this weekend? Let's keep it going. Um, I'm going to go and try to remain affable, uh, certainly as long as I possibly can. Uh, If I take a red card in this matchup uh, in the eighth minute, I'm not sure I'll be very affable on the next podcast. But I'm going to go with AFC Bournemouth plus one quarter at home against Leicester. And all the odds right now are on, or all the juice on the Leicester side. So you might even get a half by the time this kicks off Saturday morning here in Dallas, Texas, US of A. Uh, I will be on my way to the Cotton Bowl for the Red River Shootout. Go Horns. We're going to smoke Oklahoma. First time I've been a favorite in 12 years, it feels like. But anyway, back to this one. Uh, I'll be watching it later, probably on tape delay. But Bournemouth getting a quarter right now at home. I think it's a perfect spot to catch Leicester off their first win. Uh, previously bottom of the English Premier League with tons of financial problems. A manager that was rumored to wanted to be fired and was basically saying that in interviews like, I'm not leaving, so it's up to them. Um, they got a big win and really should have been behind 1-0 if not for Taiwo Awani from Nottingham Forest hitting a, hitting the post. Liverpool, or excuse me, Leicester, so much Liverpool talk. Leicester went down the other end, scored, and then put four past Nottingham Forest for a, a, what looked like a very easy victory. You could argue it certainly was. But I'm not a believer in this Leicester team. I think their defense is incredibly problematic. And Bournemouth, they're one of the rare sides that come up came up from the championship, uh, the, the division below the Premier League last year. Um, and the way they did it was playing a counterattacking style of football, which is exactly what they were going to do in the Premier League. A lot of teams that get promoted is because they thrash everybody. They win playing offensive football. And then they try to do that in the Premier League and can't do it. Well, Bournemouth are... They know who they are. They've got a manager who has put them in a good position to play this way. Despite sacking their manager midseason, they've had a caretaker come in who's only solidified their defense further. They've been a great bet over the last few weeks. Kept a clean sheet last weekend. And ultimately, I, I really love where they're coming from and catching a Leicester side that should be celebrating a and on a short week, mind you, considering they played Monday night. Um, I think they're catching Leicester in a great position. A draw wins you half a bet right now, and probably by the time this kicks off, it wins you a full wager. So take AFC Bournemouth plus one quarter at home on Saturday morning. I like it a lot. Uh, You're talking about a team that, okay, they come up, they get promoted, they beat Aston Villa in the first game. Then here's their next three games, and this kind of threw everybody off the scent. People were saying, is this the worst team ever, or what's going on? Man City, 4-0. Arsenal, 3-0, they lose. Liverpool, the worst of it, 9-0. They sack their manager. Okay, when not playing one of the best teams in Europe, here are the results. 2-0 win, 0-0 draw, 3-2 win, 1-1 draw, 0-0 draw last time out against Brentford. This team is not one of the worst teams in the league. In fact, if you throw out those three games before they sack their manager against those best teams, it's a middle-of-the-table team. Leicester is not 19th in the table and by the way they finally got off the snide had their first win 4-0 expected goal said it should have been like 1-0 maybe 1-1 so I think they're flying high despite the fact their performance wasn't really better than the god-awful thing they've shown so far in the Premier League so yeah I think you're picking a great team to fade and a great team to back at the right time so I like Liverpool that's my best bet but I will be on Bournemouth plus a quarter goal as well great pick 
I love it. And let's see how we do this week. Bounce back week for us. That'll do it for the European Soccer Betting Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week.